0: Welcome to Word to the Mother, a retrospective on 90s R&B and hip hop. Here's your host, your girl, Charlie. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Charlie, and this is the first time I'm introducing myself because for the past several episodes, I've completely forgotten to do that. I actually had to get an announcer because after several episodes, I realized, "Well, who is she? I haven't I completely forget to introduce myself because I'm so focused on My guests and getting their credentials right. And it's like, well, who are you? So I'm your girl, Charlie. I'm a girl from Baltimore who dreamed of producing our own show. And here we are. I'm in sunny Baltimore. (laughs) But more importantly, who is my guest? Who do I have with me today? Um, My guest today is a veteran podcaster and one of the hosts of the podcast Single Simulcast, which I have heard and enjoy. And I actually got a couple episodes bookmarked that I need to catch up on. And the creator of the show, Sin and Solace, I hope I have that right. You're a creator, right? Mm-hmm. And I am tickled to have him here because of his beautiful radio voice. So coming from sunny Sacramento, thank you for being with us. It's Derek Jones. How you feeling? I'm
1: good. Um, thank you so much for having me. I greatly do appreciate it. Um, no, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> It, it, it's funny that you called it sunny Sacramento because right now it is a uh, absolutely freezing, uh, horrifying day. It It is like 50 degrees outside. Uh, See, I say that because I know oh y'all gosh. folks from the East
0: Coast. It's really <laughs> have freezing. This,
1: have this thing called snow. I don't know much about snow, but I know you guys get it. And it's, like, white and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and cold yeah, and frosty
0: no. and icy. And it gets stuck yeah, to your car. Rumors. You gotta get... Yeah. That's awful.
1: People, I saw a picture of it once. I was like, ugh. <laughs> but thank you so much for it's having It's not pretty.
0: On. People be like, oh, it's so beautiful. It's no, it's not. Beautiful to me is blue skies and the sun shining. That's beautiful. But it's funny oh. you should say that because um, I think I have this romanticized idea of California having ideal weather all year round. So... I think that it's probably. I think that the whole state—I and I know this is in- inaccurate—has beautiful, perfect weather all year round. I picture it being blue skies and sunny and eighty degrees all the time, and I know, I know that Northern California is not really like that. So I was like, yeah, I don't know what it's like today. Funny enough, even though it's eighteen degrees in Baltimore, the sun is actually shining. It actually is a really pretty day. So I can't even this East Coast right now, but see, and I
1: blame um, the wire. Uh, for me, thinking that mm-hmm. y'all really treasure 40-degree days. <laughs> like, <Really>? um, <laughs> that whole thing about you have a 20-degree day and people are barbecuing. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, we don't barbecue out here unless it's 80. Like, it's got to be – we complain about 50-degree weather. Oh, like, no. that is our – we're inside complaining about what's outdoor sort of thing. Oh. Um, no. So blame Tony, Tony, Tony for that whole idea of It Never Rains. It's, it's beautiful. It, it is. It's beautiful, but – yeah nah
0: yeah i'm not even gonna get on the wire but there aren't bullets flying across my head i don't wear bulletproof vest that's a whole nother thing but (laughs) yeah i'm gonna blame the wire for everything that's gonna be a whole nother one but um yeah we actually we get all four seasons so it's not it's not really that bad and while i hate the cold i have to admit it is a really beautiful day it's been beautiful all weekend so i I can't sit in and be like oh california it's it's not so bad it's not so bad yeah anyway um Today's topic, MC Hammer. You
1: can't touch this. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. Can't touch go, hammer, go, hammer, go, on,
0: go Hammer, go Hammer, go Hammer. Go, hammer, come, come. on. You've been dancing. You've been watching your videos. <laughs> I can't help
1: it. I know. Even mm. when I hear MC Hammer's name,
0: right? Like, right? Mm. This is what I've been doing all weekend. I'll be dancing, 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 MC, MC Hammer. MC Hammer. I'm a dance, 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 dance machine. Watch him get down. Watch him get down. As a dude, I, had, I had to school with my son. I had to school with my son and play a little bit. I was like, you don't know. He's four and a half. You don't know yet. But you're going to know one of these days. He missed it. <laughs> he missed
1: it. And I am fortunate. I, I am so grateful that you have me on this episode because I think that I am one of the few people who liked MC Hammer after it was no longer cool to like MC Hammer. Oh, word. And so... I was still out there doing stuff that I thought was cool, and they were like, <laughs> no.
0: Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad that we definitely have to get into it, because when I was thinking I think about MC Hammer, and I was telling my husband about this before, I feel like overall and in general, he has sort of a negative perception as being like corny, clownish, lame, what have you, but I was really surprised when I started to do the research on him. There was so much more to him that I did not know. Just on a business level, on a production, on an entrepreneurial, I was like, wow. Some of the stuff is like, this is really impressive. And I feel like he has sort of a bad rep from the music industry, but there's a lot of good stuff there. And there's a lot of good effort and business. And I mean, yeah, yes, yes, he had his financial problems, but... He did a lot and he created a lot. And I mean I mean he did a lot even before he got signed. I did not know that. And we'll get into that. But but um I liked him. Shoot. When his first couple albums came out, I was in my basement with the box on dancing dancing. I mean I was sweating out my perms to <laughs> that stuff. So it was really good. <laughs> I mean, so yeah, and that's the whole thing. I, I, I want somebody on here that remembers Hammer was hot. People can joke all they want to. But he was hot at one point.
1: Oh yeah! yeah. I mean, you 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 got to remember that at and and I I don't want to steal the shine of the show or anything.
0: Oh, go ahead. But
1: (laughs) at one point, MC Hammer was rivaled against Michael Jackson. Like Mm -hmm. they wanted them to have a dance off. Like they wanted them to go head to head to find out who was the actual king of pop. Even though MC Hammer was doing rap they still classified it as pop back in that uh-huh. day and age because he was reaching the, he was reaching white audiences as well. So MC hammer, I, he has my full respect. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm, again, I'm I'm really grateful to have this opportunity to preach the gospel of the man who would end up <laughs> preaching the gospel.
0: That's right. He did. All right. So let's get into it. I'm gonna like, give a little bit of his background. Stanley Kirk Burrell was born on March 30th, 1962 in Oakland, California, Growing up poor and as one of nine kids, he learned young to hustle his spare cash by selling baseball caps outside of the Oakland A's Coliseum, where he caught the attention of player Charles Finley, and that led to him becoming a bat boy for the team. It was due to his resemblance to player Hank Aaron that he was given the nickname Little Hammer. Hammer originally had aspirations to be a professional baseball player, but when he did not make the cut for the San Francisco Giants, he focused on another love, music. It was in the late 1980s that Hammer borrowed $20,000 and started his own record label, Busted Productions. Hammer became MC Hammer and began recording his first album, Feel the Power, and shortly after began performing in local clubs and getting local radio airplay, um, including his single, Let's Get It Started. According to the new Rolling Stone Encyclopedia of Rock and Roll, Hammer's local popularity increased so much, he and his wife began managing a seven day a week rehearsing schedule with a troop of dancers, backup vocalists, musicians that he hired. And by the time Capitol Records came calling, he would had several offers on the table. He made such an impressive reputation that he was signed with a $1.7 million advance and a multi-album contract. Now this is all information that I did not know. You know, by the time I saw him, this is actually his first album. It was his second album I saw that went more mainstream. You know, I had no idea he did all of that before he was signed. The troupe of dancers, musicians, the songs he had. These are things he created on his own as an independent musician. That, to me, is quite amazing. I mean, I can't even imagine seven days a week he had a troupe of people rehearsing. I mean, that's a visionary right there. I had no idea he had put all that together without the backing of a major label i mean like who know? did you know that
1: well no i didn't um and i'm i'm not in any way surprised though uh because there there's folks who just seem to always have their eye on the prize Mm -hmm. you know and even when they are playing in the minors, they're batting for the majors. You know what I'm saying? Like, they've always known that they were going to have this, so let's just go ahead and start forming this now. Like, I um, know basketball coaches who will take – uh, six-year-olds and start coaching them like they're nine-year-olds and ten-year-olds, so then when they're nine and ten, they're already prepared for what they went through as a six-year-old, so mm-hmm. Hammer is on the fifth floor <laughs> while everybody else is starting on the first floor, and I admire that.
0: Yeah, I had, I like, that blew my mind, because we know by the time he got big, we know what his entourage was like. I don't think <laughs> anybody today had an, has an, carries an entourage like that. Pro- probably with some, some good good idea not to do that, but I mean, he had like hundreds and hundreds of people. The fact that he organized all these musicians, these vocalists. I mean, I'm like, wow. And he did that with his wife. That's amazing to me. Apparently, mm-hmm. by the time he got noticed by record labels, they were like, we don't know who this guy is. But he's, he's something. He's somebody, you know, like where we hear about most musicians creating a demo and then shopping that around and maybe auditioning. He put together his own production as if he already was there. And that to me is just like, that's kind of amazing to me.
1: Mm-hmm. And and I mean, in the Bay Area, uh, the independent idea of selling out the trunk um, is not a new idea. Like uh, yeah. T-Short did it. E-40 did it. Uh, Mac Dre did it. And I, I think that for a lot of folks, um, we need to take it back to probably Short and MC Hammer really being the first ones to really go with the out the trunk idea. Yeah. Um, of, of just, I'm going to do what I can until y'all notice me. And and so when the uh, producer, the executive, who was like, I didn't know who he was, but I knew he was somebody. He was somebody.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, he was he was uh, in in Oakland. Uh, he was likely uh, like selling, you know, sixty thousand copies of his album out out, out of a, a place that nobody ever heard of. Mm-hmm. He he was doing that. It just It doesn't take all day to recognize sunshine. It just sometimes takes a moment for other folks to see that it's no longer raining. Oh, I have these quotes. They're horrible.
0: I like that. No, no, no. I I, like that. That's good. (laughs) So listen, once he was signed with Capitol Records, Hammer revised his first album, retitled it, and then went on to sell two million copies led by the hit singles, Let's Get It Started, Turn This Mother Out. And they put me in the mix. This was nineteen eighty eight. So we are not even in the nineties yet, technically. But this was his first album. Um, I do remember this, and I remember I think the first videos I saw was probably Turn His Mother Out. And the thing I remember most about is his dancing. I mean, he reminded me of James Brown. And I mean, that that's it right there. If you can dance anything like James Brown. I mean I came up with Michael Jackson the Prince who had that James Brown style as well. But I was like, Who who was this? But you know, for for eighty eight, ninety, or whenever I saw it, I'm like, um, okay, let me check this out. Do you remember, uh, Around the Town just came out?
1: Oh yeah. Um, when this album came out, I was eight, and so uh, we had grown up on a steady diet of, um, uh, <laughs> Run DMC mm-hmm. and 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 the Boogie Boys and Cameo and Sky and all of these great artists, uh, Earth Wind and Fire. Yes. So. When MC Hammer came out, it was something that my mom and well, yeah, for the most part, my mom hadn't heard of before because it was it was something new. And we didn't Mm -hmm. know that there was anything under the sun that my mom hadn't heard of yet. (laughs) So when Turn This Mother Out and Let's Get It Started came out. um, My mom brought it home. Or turn on the radio one day and 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 we were like, what is this? She was like, I don't know. And, and then we saw it on the box. We saw people doing The Running Man and these are new dances. Yes. So everything that he was doing, just it seemed like it was made for our age group, even though it really wasn't. Mm-hmm. But because there was just such energy and such Joy in what he was doing in those videos. It like shun. It it shun through his videos. It shun, it shun through his music yeah. that we were caught up in it. And so we started uh, making dance routines to his dances and to his songs. And mm-hmm. I just I just remember as an eight year old thinking that that album was one of the greatest things I had ever heard. Oh, wow. um, I still remember vividly how much I loved. Because it was the first time I had heard something like this, and I know it sounds weird, but how turn this mother out spun directly into "Let's get it started."
0: It did. Mm-hmm.
1: Like it, it would go turn this mother. on. Let's get it started. 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 so there was no break between the dancing and you're just like, oh, my gosh, this is wonderful.
0: Yes, I'm with you. You know, I was sitting here thinking while you were talking about it. At the time he came out, first of all, rap was still kind of new. But Mm -hmm. I feel like he was probably the first rap artist that was dancing that melded pop like and, and in the late 80s i was just starting to listen to rap but i wasn't quite there because rap to me at that time and i mentioned this in another podcast was more of a boy masculine street thing and i'm i'm a little girl i still like barbies and stuff i um i wasn't quite there but his music had, had more pop but the dancing alone, and I'm always about dancing. You jumping around with choreography in the video, you got my attention. I feel like, and and I don't know, I don't know how accurate I am, but I feel like he was probably one of the first rap artists to meld in dance music, dance choreography, and make it, you know, uh, just more of rap and with dance. Like I can't think of anybody else who did that at the time. And you're right, the whole the sound of "Turn This Mother Out" and let's get it started is throwback a little bit. And, uh, well, the sound wasn't so much throwback. It just reminded me of, like, some soul. It had funk. And a lot of rap before that did not have that. It was, it was just really different. But, yeah, he got me dancing. When his videos were on, all I know is I was on my feet. <laughs> and I wanted um, to do um. what he was doing.
1: And one of the things that I really do remember hearing the adults talking about, because, again, 8, 9, 10 for his first uh, two al- albums. Yeah. I remember hearing the adults talking about, oh, I know that song. Dance Machine was taken by the Jackson 5. Mm-hmm. And then they waxed nostalgic about how the Jackson 5 was able to dance and how they played this song. And let's play that song, too. And so it became like a whole multi- multi-generation thing would all come in and, and just... Vibe yeah. and it was such a beautiful feeling. Like with Run DMC, you just had. I mean, I love Run DMC, yeah, and I love their music. But their videos were just two guys stomping through neighborhoods <laughs> or stomping on the stage wearing mm-hmm. Adidas and yeah. Kangos. And Parents and it, into
0: it now, exactly. It was for MC us, Hammer, yeah. He, he, he appealed to all generations exactly yeah i do remember my mom's mom everybody everybody looked at him you know he he had a throwback style but he mixed it in new and he did appeal to all of us i mean i I remember him being on tv everybody liked him and like nobody did that rap was really for young people at that point it was very street he added that pop and it gave it like mass appeal but yeah he he definitely got my attention so um i have to say because i've been talking about this all weekend to anybody who will listen to me. So, I bought this album. And I've mentioned it before. Back then, I had a very strict rule before I would spend my hard-earned birthday or allowance money on a cassette. because Yeah, it was a cassette. I remember it was green. Um, An artist had to have at least three songs out that I really liked before I was going to slap down my 12 to 15 to $20 on it. And I remember the third song, I think, was They Put Me in a Mix. That video got heavy rotation on the Jukebox network. I loved it. I was like, "All right, so let me get this album." Get the album. Okay, I had to take a moment cuz I'm still a little salty about it. <laughs> <laughs> album was good, however. The version of they put me on the mit- put me in the it mix was not on the, the same cassette. Video Dark. I'm still not good with it. I'm still not good <laughs> I bought that album because you know I was in love with the version. They put me in a mix in the video. That video was so pumped. Even when I think about it now, I'm ready to jump up and run five miles. It was not on the album. It's yeah, And it's yeah. not on Spotify. You can't get it. And I was talking to my husband today because I said, you know what? This is another example. Put it in a category of kids today will never understand. That is what it was like to spend your money on an album. And you had to cross your fingers that the rest of it was good because you could not preview albums back then like you can. Now you can listen to a whole album for free online, but it would be a good 10 years before you could even go to like a Best Buy and preview an album. But back then you had to buy an album. You had no idea what the rest of it was like. And I remember every time I bought one at that age, I felt like I was taking a little bit of a risk because what if I hated every other song on there? I can't get my 10 $12 back, right?
1: Yep and um
0: that version was
1: an actually one. that that I I know that frustration cuz I loved the uh box version of it. oh 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 oh, oh. They put me in a mix. They
0: put me in a Uh oh 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 The oh, angry oh,
1: oh, 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 oh. Oh.
0: oh my god
1: But the closest thing I can say to that the angst of people that we felt about that. The closest thing I could say to, for folks who may be listening to this, who are listening to mm-hmm. this, um, the closer you may have gotten to that type of anger is when you heard the uh, "One More Chance" by Biggie. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and and so you bought the the album because you heard "One More Chance" by mm-hmm. Biggie, and then you found out that the uh, version that was on the radio wasn't the same version that was on <gasps> uh... his album.
0: I hate... They did that a lot back then. hmm That... Oh, that would kill me. And I'm like, okay. First of all, I was mad at that time because I don't remember that... I don't know if there were singles then, and if they did, I wasn't buying them then. You had to buy a whole album. Okay, for mm-hmm. the kids of today, see, once upon a time, when you liked the song, you had to buy the whole album. That's a collection of, like, 10 to 20 songs to listen to it. There was a time you couldn't just buy one song as you can now. Very frustrating, <laughs> so you had to take a chance on all the rest of the songs you had to buy the whole package you, can't, you couldn't do it a la carte like you do now that's a whole other discussion but back in my day you had to buy like a whole are there albums anymore whatever so yeah I was I was actually a lot disappointed in it when I um, was reviewing the songs today uh, or oh, actually this past week again I wanted to hear it so I go to Spotify where all his albums are and there it is there's that album version that I did not like Where is the video version? And I think on the video version, I don't remember if it said remix or remake or video version at that time. It says it now on YouTube. YouTube is the only place you can hear it. And that's like probably one of my favorite songs by him. So I just had to bring it up because I'm still a little salty about it. But I'm going to make it through. I'm going to make it through it. I'm going to get through this. You know, I just had to bring that up. But do you remember? Do you remember that video version?
1: Oh, yeah. There was nothing like it. Uh-oh. There was nothing like it Like um, I remember being in the On top of the Jungle gym <laughs> Pumping Hem- They put me in the mix Hema. They put me in the mix
0: Oh 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 oh
1: Yeah I remember And and because again As a kid that was bombastic to me That was just yes. like everything and, and for us Like my mom controlled the radio. Um, uh, what we got to listen to was whatever she wanted to hear. So, again, if she wanted to hear Charday, we heard Sade. If she wanted to hear uh, Cameo, we were at that. If she wanted to hear uh, Atlantic Star, we were at that, which is fine with me because it helped me to really shape out a large love of music as a whole. Like, mm, everything man. jazz, gospel, the whole nine yards, the whole gamut. She couldn't control the box.
0: No. <laughs>
1: and so we would turn the box on and just let it run like if a mm-hmm. rock song came on or something we would turn it off you mm-hmm. know even though I got a couple rock songs that I love off of off of there too oh, yeah. um the three little pig song is still one of my favorite little pig little sorry um <laughs> but when that song came on everybody would stop Mom, like it was on. It was it was like hitting a jackpot on the box for those of y'all for y'all kids out there. The box was like a lottery cuz you never paid for the music. Other people were able to call in to a certain number and for a, a certain amount of money they were able to request a song. You'd right. see the three numbers that they type in. Yep go into the screen. So, you know, when the, you knew when the next song was coming on. Mm-hmm. And so and if you watched enough, you on, would
0: know the songs, you know, Oh, that's, that's MC Hammer, That's MC. Like you, you would almost know which ones are coming on based on the code. Go ahead.
1: And, and, and so they had at the bottom of the screen, a running talent or a running list of numbers for songs that you could choose. And she, and Charlie said it, you could, you got to memorize what your favorite songs were, because when you're, when you saw your number come up, you're like, all right, that song's coming up next. Yep. <laughs> and so hearing they put me in the mix was the only way you could hear it was on the box. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't think to put a, a radio up to the TV and hit record like we should have. So every time that, that song came on, everybody shut up. Mm-hmm. Everybody just be quiet. It's time to dance. Here comes they put me in the mix. So
0: <sighs> yes, yes. Sad
1: now that no. I know. And so right
0: before we recorded, I said, you know what, before I act like you can't get this, let me just do a Google search because now we have Google. I Googled the title and remix. Nobody has it. YouTube is the only place you can listen to that fantastic track. So if you have not heard it, please check it out. And you know what, I'm gonna get over it because I think we spent a lot of time on that one single. It just happened to be one of my very favorite tracks for him of all time. And, it was, and, and I was thinking that would be so good on my workout make my playlist. But i'm uh, I'm gonna get through I'm gonna get through it and uh it was it was really hot but yeah back in the day you just had to you had the you're the gamble with the album so that was my only thing about the album it was, it was really good um but so that ended up being his second album because the first album was independent that was his second album um but it was actually re- his first album that was released with capital and a major label um and after that that brought us to the third album which I think most people are most familiar with please. Hammer, Don't Hurt Him, 1992. I'm sorry, in 1990. 1990, MC Hammer released his third album, Please Hammer Don't Hurt Him, with the singles Have You Seen Her, Pray, and the largely successful Holding. You can't touch this. Which helped keep the album at number one on the Billboard charts for 21 weeks. I think without a doubt, this is the album that pushed him into a stratosphere where he got all the way up to like Michael Jackson and whatnot this mm-hmm. album and you can't touch this was so big I feel like for somebody that wasn't actually there and I'm pretty sure most anybody who's listening was there how big was you can't touch this I feel like I can't even. where do I start with you can't touch this
1: it got to the point where you would see people you didn't expect to see quoting it quoting it
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, old white women <laughs> on, on, on TV, would would say, You can't touch this. Mm-hmm. You know, they wouldn't say, You can't touch this, but they'd be like, You can't touch this. Mm-hmm. And we'd know exactly where it was coming from. And we'd be like, Whoa. And um, people would write it in the shows and, yes. and talk show people would be talking about. And it was, you know, without the internet. And like you said, the folks who are listening to this are likely the folks who remember this. Without the internet, it was strange to see how big things were. Like you had a very myopic view of the world like it was just you and your circle so to find out that the show that was recorded in new york city w- had this guy performing or, or 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 were quoting his songs and whatnot it was it big was i think that this me. was the one that really like you said launched him into the stratosphere as far as um a real to be reckoned with
0: yeah i think it became a cult i think he along with the song became like a cultural phenomenon i mean the whole stop hammer time i mean when you hear that how do you not start dancing how do you not start doing the typewriter i mean i was doing it in my kitchen mm-hmm. like five minutes ago and the fact that i feel like if you were somewhere and someone yelled stop i feel like half the people would be thinking hammer time deep down in their head even though they don't actually say it because i feel like it got so ingrained and everybody, it it was just it was just major. I think he was probably one of the first rap artists, if if not the only one, that crossed over. I mean, everybody, black, white, all types of people was listening to. You can't touch this. Um, Doing the hammer time. Hammer pants. I mean, he blew up so big, so fast. I, I mean, he was probably making appearances on TV. I, I'm trying to think back. I remember he did a British Knights commercial, and now all of a sudden, I wanted me some British Knights because he was in it and they dancing around and hammer pants and.
1: <sighs> we at this about this time, uh, me and and my my old. Am I allowed to vaguely, 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 lightly curse on this show? Like, you're, not a lot.
0: You're allowed That's to say the one whatever word, you want. And it's not bad. You're allowed to say whatever you want because I produce a show for grown folks.
1: Okay. <laughs> my brother, the punk ass, and my eight cousins and I realized at about this age, I was 11, that my grandma was kind of good with the sewing hands. <gasps> like, she could sew, oh. she could do that, she could make real clothing. And we always saw her making scarves and stuff, but that didn't matter to us until one day in passing, one of us said, Granny, can you make hammer pants? Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> And she was like, Yeah, you you didn't know those pants and she lied her face off. You know those pants back in the day, <laughs> they were made because when you were walking through the desert as slaves, they didn't have a place to go to the bathroom, so they would just doo-doo oh. and then they'd shake they shake their leg and it would just fall off their pants leg and they would just walk behind them. That's why Hammer got them parachute oh. pants. Completely inaccurate,
0: completely
1: wrong. But that's my granny, and we were like, We don't care, can you make the pants or not? Nah? <laughs> she
0: makes it so duty pants. <laughs>
1: so <laughs> (laughs) Exactly. Can you make me some of them do do parachute pants? So in 1990, (laughs) 1991, rather, I was walking around my school wearing some bright purple hammer parachute pants made by my grandmother. And that was literally a I I, when I remember that, I remember Hammer. And so that's when I say that Hammer and I are linked in many ways in my mind that was one because the looks i got were not looks of derision that was not what the heck are you wearing it was where did you get those from right and it was i I bought them (laughs) at the store
0: yes actually i was gonna add it as a confession but since you also had a pair i had a pair too my mama (laughs) found them somewhere and i don't know where i should have asked her before but she found me a pair mama black child couldn't tell me nothing and i do remember i think i was like the only one in school oh, okay i think it was a couple boys that had some so maybe i was like the only girl but i did have me some hair pants. i remember the crotch being like ginormous and you could put like mm-hmm. a whole book bag in there if you wanted to but i could <laughs> dad i mean I, I felt so cool i was probably like 12 or something i was in middle school and i shoot and the ankle part was like kind of slender but then like the crotch was like real real big that, that Mm-hmm. i will wear them right now they probably back i don't know i can't keep up with these these youngins but give me a pair right now i'll be in them and i might put my lunch in there too while i go to work. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> might put my wallet in there too be safe shoot i will wear some hand uh, pants right now what you talking about uh, what you know about the only
1: problem with those pants was though my my grandma forgot to put pockets on them
0: oh i don't think my hand either but you ain't need pockets because you had the duty pouch you could put everything in there <laughs> you gotta put it together you got <laughs> granny was onto something her story might not have been accurate but i like her style <laughs> okay so okay i think one of the reasons why this song was so big we cannot we would be remiss if we didn't mention the rick james sample so i know sampling got a lot of heat in the 90s but I am all for it. First of all, my mother, she used to play some Rick James. So as soon as I had heard a, the Super Freak sample, I was like, hell yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. Can't touch it. Dun, 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 dun. My, my, my. I'm like, hell yeah. I mean, what? I oh, my Lord. Thank you for well, <laughs> blessing What am I doing? Rhyming to right? Thing. That's good. <laughs> when
1: well, you know you're down. <laughs> no, no. That's your brother come from the old town unknown. <laughs> And and such. Such. And this, oh, I can't and such. hear that without seeing it. So right. even when Super Freak comes on, it's like... I do the same thing. It, it's such a marriage. Like, if I hear Super Freak, I'm singing that song. Mm-hmm. If I hear okay, You so, Can't so, so. Touch It, so I'm singing Super Freak. Yes. In the back of my mind, one of the other is, is going. And the, the thing that was ingenious about sampling was, like I said, it would bring the older folks to the mm-hmm. yard. Yes. You may not want to hear rap on the radio but if you heard rick james and you loved rick james Mm -hmm. then when you heard the opening beat to super free because that the opening to you can't touch it was the same as the opening to super free he sampled it all the way through yes um you pause for a second to see if it was rick james and then when mc hammer came on you're like oh man somebody stole rick james (laughs) music whatever oh this is catchy
0: right but then it got your attention (laughs) <laughs> and the young people it and then they learn about something they may not have known. And old people like, well, wait man, minute, I remember that. Hold up. Da, 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 da. And me, I I was the young, but I also was familiar with the old So I was like, oh, hell yeah. They didn't mix two things. I love the old music that my mother used to play. And now the new, hell yeah. And I kind of feel like that's probably one reason why I don't get into a lot of new rap. Because where the samples at? Where's the mm-hmm. funk? Where's the group? Like, give me something that makes me feel good. Because old music makes you feel good. But that's a whole nother thing. But yeah, you're right that you said a good thing It's a good marriage. And it's unfortunate that in a lot of sampling, they didn't get the permissions that they needed to. But I feel like if you look back on it, I see it as an art because my thing is who thought to take that sample and put this beat in. Re- I, I think that's a little bit genius. Could they go about it differently? Sure. But I think that there's an art to plucking out these samples. Some of them are really obscure and then putting a new beat to it. And then all of a sudden, you didn't make this new creation. I love it. I absolutely love it. And I think it's one reason why I love 90s music so much, because a lot of 90s music is heavily sampled. And it it it, it melds the old with the new and creates something so beautiful. But that sample really <laughs> brought that song to another level.
1: And, I mean, you got to keep in mind, uh, for a lot of artists back then, or a lot of artists now, we don't all know a DJ. <laughs> we don't mm-hmm. all know somebody who can produce hot songs for you or whatever it may be sometimes you got to make do with what you heard on the radio that just really resonated with you yes and even though mc hammer had a huge entourage
0: mm-hmm.
1: he also had a huge catalog of music that just really clicked with him and really just made him want to dance or made him want to move or made him feel a certain way and so he utilized that i i i, I cannot hate on that in the least
0: no I, I think i was disappointed when i found out that rick james sued and and they didn't c- permissions and all that that put a damper on it because i'm like wow i really really love this and i love what they did but you know i didn't know i don't know the legalities of it so luckily it didn't that wasn't it didn't really damper the song too much but I don't, rick didn't
1: I, I, mean I, to do that cocaine is a hell of a drug
0: <laughs> Right. Well, he ended up getting his in the end anyway. But the song, I mean, the song is still hot. So I, don't, I don't really care. I bet? Anyway, he had a couple other singles. He had "Have You Seen Her" and "Pray." I, I, I remember. Okay, so "Have You Seen Her" was a, um, a cover that, um, was it the Stylistics? Someone else done that song before. Stylites. The stylites. Shy lights. shy lights oh okay yeah so that was a complete cover but it was cool It was also different i mean rap people didn't do that and i do remember pray we got to pray just to make it today and i can't even say that was like a hit but it stuck in my head like i remember that
1: you know what what uh i don't know if it was a california thing or because the the they thought that it would reach us but i have had three pastors mm who have all used, we got to pray just to make it today, in their sermons.
0: Isn't that something?
1: After that song came out. And yeah, that that was big to me. Like, whoa, he used MC Hammer. (laughs) And then as I got older, it was like, oh, there goes the MC Hammer line again. But they would say, you know, because the Lord needs, you need the Lord to make it through your life. You need the Lord in your day-to-day struggle. We've got to we got to pray just to make it today. I and they would tra- act like they don't listen to rap because, you know, preachers used to act like they're all high and mighty. Mm-hmm. It was just this year that I found out that the, my preacher at my church listened to, used to, list, listened to gangster rap. Oh. But um, so they would try and just slip it in there like, I just thought of this myself. And we were like, that's empty. <laughs>
0: that's funny. You know what? You're right. I had a couple. I had one friend that was really religious and I remember her coming to me. And I think her parents probably only liked her listen to religious stuff. And she got excited when she heard MC Hammer say, you know, my, 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 my music hits me so hard. Makes me say, oh, my Lord, thank you. She got excited because then her parents said, oh, you know what? This guy's, relig- he's okay to listen to. And I would be, I would remember thinking like, oh, wow. Like, he's actually like crossing over into other, you know, other people who mm-hmm. only mm-hmm. don't even listen to that type of music. But she got the okay because he, he displayed that. I was like, wow, ain't that something. But, um, and that's funny about, about the preachers. Um, during this time, MC Hammer started getting a lot of criticism. Um, you know, I read that, and I don't quite remember all this, because he's not an artist where I paid a lot of attention to lyrics, though I don't really do that in general with a lot of rap artists. It was about the beats and the, the hooks and all of that. But anyway, apparently in his first album, he dissed a lot of rappers. And um, by this by this album, other rappers were starting to hit back um he got a lot of mm-hmm. criticisms of criticisms over over reliance on samples which I, I already said i love it keep it going i wish they would do more of it just do it the right way but also in his clean cut image um his repetitive lyrics his dancing and possibly his over commercialization i do remember third base mocking him and um oh gosh what was the video i see it remember remember they knocked over pop pop goes the weasel the weasel actually quick correction it was the gas face not pop goes the weasel oh Oh, okay that's not the episode but they had a hammer a big ass hammer and i think they knocked it over and they were Mm dipping it back and apparently I read the DOC, Digital Underground, Q Tip, Ice T, like a lot of other rappers. Apparently he was talking smack about them, so they were getting him back. And there seemed to be a, a backlash about him.
1: Yeah. I I know that Cube at that point in time had that was the death certificate year. And um mm. actually <clears throat> One episode that we did on single simulcast was me and uh, two luminaries named uh, Larry and, and Evan. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sat down and did a show about Ice Cube's death certificate. Oh. And uh, one thing that we didn't talk about was how he went hard after MC Hammer for saying that MC Hammer is sold out uh, by uh, moving into the white neighborhood and uh, no longer talking black and and. I don't think that, uh, I think that it may have just been Cube latching on to the sign of the times or what was going on at the time. Because mm-hmm. I don't remember MC Hammer uh, at any point where he wasn't helping out the folks in Oakland. I don't remember any moment where he wasn't uh, there for his neighborhood. Yeah. And if I had money, nigga, I'd move too.
0: Mm-hmm. So, right. Yeah.
1: Why am I going to stay where I can get got? Because now I'm famous and everybody knows me.
0: Yeah. If I
1: win the lottery, I'm changing my name first thing and I'm moving to where you can't find me. So I don't know. It it was a whole thing to me. But Ice T, you you had said that Ice T got on him. Ice T was actually one of the only ones who was like, yo, chase that money. I got you.
0: Mm, Okay. Yeah. I know. I remember. uh,
1: A special shout out to my man, MC Hammer. A lot of people dish you, man. Yeah, but they're just jealous. He said that on uh his OG original gangster album, okay. which is really nice.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for a gangster, that is really nice. You
1: know, that's a nice gangster.
0: We gotta give it to him. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe yeah. Well, maybe I had the wrong thing, but I do remember having a clean cut image. But I, it didn't bother me then. I think what did start to bother me was he started be getting like he started to get really really commercial. I think by the time that. The dolls were one thing, but I think by the time the cartoon came out, I was like, uh, like I I kind of, I, I think when I think about it, anytime an artist starts to have a cartoon, I'm like, uh, okay, now we're getting to And at that time, I'm not cartoon age anymore. I'm 12-ish, 13-ish, maybe 14-ish or whatnot. But, you know, I would check it out because that's, you know... It was only so many channels, so I had to just give in. And, you know, it started to get a little cheesy. And the animation's not good, and the voice yeah. is not the same. But I think that's when it starts to, yeah, okay, I don't know where we're going with this. But, all right, you know. But it does sort of make a turning point for me. But, yeah, I, I, yeah, go ahead.
1: You know, it's it's funny that it seemed like for... Uh, those mid, those late 80s, early 90s rappers, it seemed like they were really being pushed to go in that direction of animation, like y'all are truly children's music, because I remember Kid and Play had a cartoon as well.
0: (gasps) That's right, they did. They did.
1: And and it it just as a kid, I was like, OK, cool. It made me want to listen to their music because they'd slip in music videos or whatever it may have been at the end with <laughs> Hammer. I just loved it because it was MC Hammer mm-hmm. and they had the talking magic shoes and all that. <laughs> um, but I feel like they may not have wanted to do that. Like their studios are like, how can we keep y'all out yeah, there? Because like the y'all are short. spending like four years putting out an album. But
0: yeah, I was I was 11. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. So you were a little bit younger so it probably appealed to you more, but I was like Yeah. Okay, here we go. Well, so let's see, Please Hammer Don't Hurt came out in '90. he actually he put out albums almost every year. I mean we went from like 88, 90, and now nineteen ninety one, Hammer dropped the MC from his moniker and released Too legit to quit featuring hey, singles. Hey. Hey, hey. Right. Feature in the singles Do Not Pass Me By, This is the Way We Roll, and the title track. It also had the song, okay, we we'll can get into this Adam's Groove from the movie The Adam's Family and oh its my soundtrack. Okay. Oh,
1: God, I love that song so much. <laughs> I still remember the lyrics. They do what they want to do, say what they want to say, live how they want to live, play how they want to
0: play. Wow. <laughs> dance how they want
1: to dance, kicking, they shout
0: Adam's Family. The Adam's Family. You know it know no sense. you know what <laughs> i'm glad you loved it and i'm glad we feel differently about it because okay so first the first thing i heard was too legit to quit and uh, I, liked I liked it i liked it too legit too legit to quit hi hi too legit to this grinch hi hey, hi! Hey. i remember when i was in school kids were singing tuna fish tuna fish and mayonnaise. you know how we do it <laughs> it was hot we was like all right burr, burr, burr. more dancing i remember hit the big jackets with the shoulder pads i was like all right tuna fish and right. it was it was hot um so i was for it i like do not pass me by i think that has sort of a gospel thing to it Mm-hmm. I haven't heard it in a while but I'm yeah I do remember having a gospel No, it's kind of cool I liked it too I don't remember this is the way we roll but I do I do remember when Adam's Groove came out now I like the movie so no hate to Adam's family that was great but I think this was around the whole turning point for me in total in general where when this came out I was like, uh. and then the video had like the Adams family in it, and they'd snapping their fingers and bopping their heads, and I was like, Oh, here we go <laughs> with this cornyness. Um, I was I was just saying the other day that when this came out, I think for me it became the first song where an artist performed a song on a movie soundtrack that was directly about the song. Where I said, okay, well, wait, 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 no, just, just no. Prince did it with Bat, Bat, Bat Dance. Loved it. Do you remember the Bat Dance? I, oh yeah. I loved that. But when Hammer did it, I think I hit a point. I was like, mm, no, let's not do this. But
1: <laughs> because because when Prince did it, it was just such a wonderful like oh, it, it. was a mash It mash was mash. Prince with Batman quotes in it. And him saying weird things like, hey, Jackie, <laughs> why don't you let me stick my seven-inch in your computer? And it was like just Prince. The
0: Adam's Groove, what? Maybe like, because maybe it was Batman, and Batman is cool, but like Adam's, I don't know what it is, but I remember thinking this was kind of lame. And I think it was the and, first time I was like, this is really lame. But, but on a side note, can we mention the
1: fact that the Adams family had this as one rap, had one not one but two rap groups do a, a theme song for them. What because with their next hit or with their next movie, uh, Tag Team came out and did Whoop! The Adams Family, <gasps> there it is, what? and it was the like, what? Why? So, yeah, no, well, they're yeah
0: that's actually kind of amazing i don't remember the tag team one i might i might i might have had to like that one
1: <laughs> it, it was it was the the adams family theme song dun, 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 dun. and tag team was rapping over it by saying whoop the adams family there it is whoop the adams family
0: all right, now that the you're singing court. it, I think I take it back. I think that is lame too. But <laughs> I remember, <laughs> I remember Hammer's video, and he's like in with the Adams family. He might be in their house and stuff. And I was just like, all right, dude, I don't, I don't know about a Prince did it really good. I don't know, but but yeah, it is memorable. I do. It's funny that I, I do remember that more than I remember some of these other songs. But it was also okay. Hammer singing for this movie. It was a major movie. It's like, whoa, he he's on that level now, you know. But but yeah, I mean, this was still another fun album. I really liked it. His style was a little bit different, but he was just evolving as an artist, you know. Mm-hmm. Did you mm-hmm. have this one?
1: Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. Like I said, I, it, it, I
1: didn't know MC Hammer wasn't cool until like.
0: <laughs> until it I told took you. Me a it's while. Like
1: <laughs> and the thing was, everybody else in my circle. At this point in time, NWA came out. Oh yeah. Ice T was out. Mm -hmm. Ice Cube is spun off on his own. Everybody else listening to Gangster Rap and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I'm listening to some gangster rap. I'm listening to LO Cool J's I'm Bad and and Walking with a Panther. Mm. And I'm still listening to MC Hammer. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm like, oh, man, that, that I'm bad. That's a great song. Yo, can you put in this tape real quick? Can't touch this. And it's like.
0: <laughs> so you were there. Now, I still liked him. But I, I felt, I, I think the commercialization, like I said, was getting to me. But at this point, I think that he probably was, um, you know, the beginning of the decline. And he knew that. So he knew he had to change up some stuff. And mm-hmm. that's, and I mean, that's cool. I mean, like you said, by that point, gangster rap was huge. Who could compete Mm -hmm. with that? And basically, if you weren't doing gangster, if you weren't being street, if you weren't being really, really hard, you were considered lame, you know. And like, I mean, I think besides Will Smith, who I don't don't know if I even want to go there. Besides Will Smith,
1: that was another favorite.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of rappers (laughs) who were clean cut, so it just wasn't a thing to be clean cut and not use vulgar language and all of that. So he was gonna he was gonna catch it anyway. Um, until he tried to change up, which brings us to 1994. You ready you ready for 94? Oh, yeah. I'm ready for this one. Um, I, I don't even know why, I, but 1994, Hammer released his fifth album, The Funky Headhunter, which I'm sure you had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Since rap had become increasingly more hard edge and gangster and taken off, he tried to change his sound and image to keep up with the trend and went with a more aggressive image. So I have to say that I think... I heard It's All Good first. And, um, and I, I liked it. I right away recognized, oh, he changed his sound. Hammer's going hard. Oh, he getting oh, gangster. Yeah. What? You know. And at the same time. He even time,
1: changed like how he spoke in music. Like Instead of it being like, and this is a beat you can't touch. Mm-hmm. He came in like, Hammer, Hammer, coming in harder Like yeah. that. Like he was really trying to just put bass in his voice and just Be show sure. you that he meant it. Yeah. And it was like,
0: I'm from the streets. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I remember being like, oh, okay, he changed. But I felt like, okay, I'm, I'm going to give him a try. Because that's what's hot. I understand you're an artist. You got to, like, keep up with what's hot. You got to sell and all of that. I remember It's All Good. I think I – I feel like it was the same weekend I heard It's All Good. And um, was it Pumps and a Bump or another one? But I felt like I heard the first two singles, like, right away and together. And I liked them. Um, the funny thing about It's All Good is – and I – I don't know but i did use that term at the beginning of it is i think it's funny that after that song came out everybody started saying it's all good i don't know if he created it he put it out there if it existed before him but i know for me he introduced me to that term and i feel Mm -hmm. like people still say that today i said it before you know what i mean
1: it's Mm -hmm. all
0: good just to say everything's okay I, everybody I know says that. I mean, even people's parents. And I'm like, I don't know if he created it, but that had a long term, lasting effect. And I'm like, wow, that, that's that's how him, y'all. He did that. It's all good. What you think about that?
1: You know what? Um, whenever people say that to me, in my mind, I still hear his uh, re- his response, which is, uh huh. Yeah, it's <laughs> so all good. I it's there's a lot of phrases that happen. You know regionally though then when it goes nationwide it's like oh y'all say that too no we got that from y'all like out there mm-hmm. hammer did that um but it's all good was one of my favorite songs on the on the on the album uh but my favorite one was probably don't stop cuz it just he tried so hard. <laughs> he tried. God bless him. Like that was hammer at his. I want to be hard is because uh uh. Don't stop. You wouldn't even have known that it was called Don't Stop because the um the beat was one of the like this was back when Dre was doing the Chronic and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So the beat was West Coast Funk and the chorus was that OG Funk. That's what it is. Oh,
0: okay.
1: Hammer getting into you, and it was just like so funky. Like it was such a great track. That I mean, when people were like, "Yo, why are you listening to that?" My my mindset at that point, I made up my mind as a as I decided a long ago that um, if a song had five good songs on it. Mm-hmm it was a great album at that point in time. Like, if it had 19 great songs out of 20, it was a classic. phenomenal,
0: yeah.
1: But if it had five good songs, Mm -hmm. I could rock that.
0: Does this have five songs for you? No. Oh, okay.
1: It had four. It had four? So it was close. It was close, but... I mean... For a, last, for a last hurrah, I was okay
0: with this effort. <laughs> last hurrah. All right, well, we got to get to my favorite songs. I think I heard it right after It's All Good. And it's kind of embarrassing, maybe for me, maybe for him. But my song was pumps and a bumps, pumps and a oh. bumps. Give me the oh. girls with the pumps and a bumps. I mean, I don't even know why. I think at the time when this came out, I, I was all, I was very much into the, the, the booty shaking songs. I used to listen to two live crew. Um, I used to like the, and I, I saw when he was, do- okay, first let me get to the song. The song was just keeping into the, the whole trend with the booty shaking, ass twirling, laying around a pool with half naked girls in bikinis. Like he, that was what the song was. I really, I really liked it. Then, so I heard the song first, then I saw the video. Well, like you said, bless his heart, but can we please put the hammer pants back on? Because what I did not really need, I still liked the song. But what I could have lived my whole life without was MC Hammer in a speedo grinding on women at the pool, looking erect. I, I still, I still could do without that. I still love the song and and I remember seeing him like, oh, okay, yeah, he's doing what all the rappers are doing. You got to have all the the naked chicks, butts in the air around the. I mean, the video was exactly what we had seen before but we didn't see the, the the actual rapper in a speedo grinding himself i did read that he ended up making a clean version of that i don't know if i ever got that one that would have been a little bit better but that was my song i still like it i still when that came on i, I started doing my two live crew dances but i did feel like oh damn he biting off everybody this is he, he's doing everything that everybody's already did he got the ass shaking and twirling twerking half naked we just could have done without the speedo but that was my jam <laughs> do you remember pumps in a bump
1: you know i do remember king Dingling in the song in the thong song and um <laughs> it, it was funny because it wasn't allowed to be viewed in my house oh like i already had the tape I had the tape, but if my grandma walked through, like if she was visiting and she walked through and pumps on a bump would come on, she would fall out.
0: Mm-mm. I don't blame her. I you.
1: mean, sure. It played right after. Don't stop. Pop that. Let me see you. doo brown. I want to I want
0: to I rock. She didn't mind that. <laughs> Wait a minute.
1: She didn't mind
0: to Love Curve?
1: She didn't even know. She didn't even like she would. She would hear. Parts of it, it wouldn't register. She'd hear pumps in a bump and she knew that that was Hammer's song because, again, California regional. She would hear it and she would come in and be like, turn that filth off.
0: Oh.
1: And so it was like, OK. And I think that that may have been uh, one of the things that really pushed Hammer out of my house <laughs> was the fact that. Adults. Have built up an idea
0: mm-hmm.
1: of what Hammer was. Yeah. And and even though he still wasn't cussing a lot in his songs, even mm-hmm. though it was very, very, very light profanity, mm-hmm. seeing him in that video was just so against what they knew of him. Like this was the same grandma who had made the hammer pants for me and everything. And she was like, ooh, what is this? Turn that off. This that filth floor filth that <laughs> uh the Passer talks about. And so we had to turn it off. Yeah. Um, if there was a clean version, I never saw it. I figured that once a clean version came out, it was probably too late.
0: <laughs> it was. It probably was. Because
1: I know MTV censored the song like completely. Like I think they blacklisted it. It was banned from heavy rotation. <laughs> it could only be shown during the BET uncut type hours.
0: Oh, my so,
1: gosh. That didn't help them at all.
0: No, I think I think that was probably it. I don't even remember two videos. I guess the first one was It's All Good and then Pumps and the bump. I don't think I remember any other videos from this particular album, so that 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 might have did him in. He had grandmas before and then he lost and, them with Pumps and the Bomb. And I
1: mean, the fact that I really love the song It's All or Don't Stop and it's not even like registering to anybody else <laughs> <laughs> just makes me like, wow, okay, how big of a hammer nerd was? Because I just assumed I assumed until literally just now. I assumed that everybody else knew about "Don't Stop," like that's my jam. Like I just, and now I just, I'm, I'm, I'm just like,
0: oh. I do the same uh, thing. I'm actually gonna make a note to check it out because the the sample you sung, I know that one. So I feel like I might have heard it, and I also feel like there might have been another single from this album that I didn't make note of. But i'm gonna have to check that one out since it's so beloved but pump pumps and a bump was my jam it was just the video i was like okay you didn't you did not took it too far
1: dude yeah Put, but you know sometimes you gotta pump the bumps
0: <laughs> <laughs> pump, pump that huh? uh Woo. so you know that was a turning point for him and let's see by the mid-1990s rumors news reports began to swirl that hammer was in financial trouble yes we must go there Forbes mm-hmm. had him at over 33 million net an over 33 million dollar net fortune but by April 1996 Hammer was forced to file chapter 11 bankruptcy due to mounting debts so how does one accrue so much debt from such a high net worth Thrillist Publications created a list of expenditures, which included, and I have listed them, a staff of over 200 employee, employees, which cost him 500000 a month. That alone blows my mind. A 40,000 square foot mansion that cost $30 million with all the fixings, including like gold plated finishes. I'm sure a lot of people heard of that. He had 19 thoroughbred racehorses. I have no idea how much racehorses cost. A Lamborghini, a private jet, a limo, and two private helicopters. Not to mention lawsuits and settlements, namely to Rick James and other unauthorized sampling, um, including the song "Super Freak," which he had he was forced to settle with, and he took a huge cut in his royalties. I think during this time, Hammer probably became like the poster boy for Chapter Eleven and bankruptcy, Mm -hmm. and what can go wrong when you give someone who clearly doesn't have a lot of financial literacy a whole lot of money. I mean, I had to I had to look this back up because I I feel like this sort of overshadowed a lot of his career. A lot of people now remember him as a guy who blew 30 million dollars. And I had to look back so, you know, how does that happen and what I did find is that while he did file the the bankruptcy and while he did have a lot of debt, he claims he was never down and out um he was never totally broke. he did still retain some money, and um he did have some investments, but yeah, he did lose a lot of his fortune it's 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 a cautionary tale I mean, I think everybody can learn from you know,
1: exactly that and story. and i mean there's we the cautionary tale we always learned about this was probably <laughs> the wrong one. <laughs> But the cautionary tale that we learned out here was basically don't roll too deep Mm -hmm. and don't loan out money and don't start businesses with your friends. And I mean, instead of just investing properly, um, nobody ever really learned the idea of investing properly. And we were all under the idea that he just went like completely at that age. We were just like, oh, that nigga's homeless.
0: (laughs) Right. I did, too. I think I thought he was penniless. You know, I mean, 30 million dollars. I mean his mm-hmm. home was thirty mil how you gonna earn thirty million and then spend yeah. And it sounds like he wasn't totally homeless, but the it, it was put out there. Like he broke. He lost it all. He spent it all. That was how it was put out there. Mhm. And um it's it's just it's just kind of amazing. I mean when I when I look back on it, I think, well, geez, how can you mismanage your money that poorly? But then when I did a little bit of research on him and I found that when he was initially signed, he got this huge advance and he got this multi-album contract. I guess his thinking was this was for life. This amount of money that was going to start coming in was going to be his life from now on. Um, maybe a little bit of overconfidence, but he did seem to come out pretty big and he did hit it big, very fast. So I kinda feel like I could kinda see how one could get swept away into thinking, Oh, you, you set, you got it made I mean he was one it seemed like he made it to the top so fast that maybe he believed he was gonna stay that way. Like you said, he was being compared to the likes of Michael Jackson. Well then you might think, Oh, the millions are gonna keep on going and it's mm-hmm. easy to think, Well, why would you think that? But he he did skyrocket really, really cartoons dolls i mean he was like a national he was like a phenomenon he was so big so
1: to put it in perspective for yeah. some of y'all uh folks out there <laughs> on mc hammer's first big tour like his first real big tour mm-hmm. boys and men opened up for him right Let, let's let's put it in perspective like that mc hammer ruled the rap world he like did. he had it on lock. um and it, it's sad that he lost that money. Uh, but again, if we had the if, if he had the right type of folks in this corner, if he had had the an accountant, if he had, folks look, you get money and you don't know how to get how to use money. You spend it lavishly.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah. Like,
1: I'm always going to have money like, OK, I'm popular. You don't see that far off in the future. Like right now I'm podcasting, I can't see like. My demise as a podcaster, I'm not gunning for that, yeah. you know, and so it 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 should be a not just a cautionary tale. I think that his story should be a story of both success and warning, yeah. But that's because I'm a fan.
0: <laughs> no, but I think you're right. I mean, if you think about it, if he's compared to like the likes of Michael Jackson and Prince, well, they had long careers. Michael Jackson, for decades, was putting out albums. Prince did have a long career, too. I think for him to hit the heights he did and a burnout as fast as he did I don't think we saw a lot of that I mean when his when Please Hammer Don't Hurt Him came out I would have thought yeah he's gonna be around for a long time too because I didn't see a whole lot of that he was that big so you know it's I don't think he ever imagined he would burn out and as quickly I don't think I did either you know I mean a lot of these artists for instance TLC I was majoring to TLC in the early 90s I would have never thought that they would have declined at any point. I would have thought, you know, like the Whitney Houstons and all that, they would go on and on and on and have all these albums. But it's really hard to say what's going to happen to these artists and, and if something will happen, it's a turning point, and then they decline and maybe go out into obscurity. So he had a lot of visions. He had a lot of goals. He hit a lot of them, and he thought it would never end. So... But the good thing is, um, like I had read, he was never totally penniless. He was never totally broke. He did invest a lot of money. So, no, he does not have the millions that he had before. But he does still have some money. He still has business ventures. Um, I think a lot of people may not know it. But while that was probably his last big album, he did continue recording music. He did put out songs. I didn't hear a lot of it. I don't know if you you might have as a magazine. No. no, no,
1: okay, no, okay. um, <laughs> no, I I I um, giggling about the songs because the only song I I really at that point I was done. You know, I was I I moved on yeah. after uh, pumps and the bump and all that. Well, you know, when and when so, Grandma had a
0: problem with it, that kind of a trap on stuff.
1: And so the next time I saw MC Hammer wasn't at a rap concert. It wasn't on the block. It wasn't on a poster. It was at my church. What? My pastor, uh, Ephraim Williams, out here in Sacramento, had a a church on 12th Avenue uh, called St. Paul Baptist Church. And um, one day he was like, you know what? I've been trying to reach the youth. I feel like I'm reaching the youth. But there's somebody else who may be able to reach the youth. And MC Hammer walked in. What? And M.C. Hammer came to our church and wow. he preached.
0: And you know, what? I'll be honest, I'm not a church girl, as some people will know. But if you tell me M.C. Hammer going to be there, I'm, I might come through.
1: <laughs> right. It, so by the time we got over the fact that M.C. Hammer was preaching, because this was still when folks was like, he's homeless. Um, right. By the time we got to the past, the fact that M.C. Hammer was preaching, I missed what half the sermon was about. <laughs> Apparently it was OK. But um, <laughs> It was just like, wow, you know, like, he's actually here preaching. And it, it was akin to, I guess, Mace becoming a pastor. Like, it, mm-hmm. is he is he preaching because he failed as a rapper? Like, what exactly is he doing here? And so we never saw him as a pastor again. But, yeah, he came to my church as a guest pastor and did one sermon.
0: Wow. And dipped out. Wow. And you know what that kind of segues into what i was gonna get into you know he did some albums he did some singles he did a bunch of tv and films actually like too much to even name he did tons of appearances here and there but um after he stopped doing music he went to back into the ministry he had a long light like, he was a lifelong christian he was always involved in the men- ministry of one form or the other but he started preaching and mentoring to local youth and the thing that you know, the thing that I want to stress is that while the music stopped, MC Hammer actually never—he never stopped. He has mm. been working and producing and doing things ever since. It may not be things that we see, but he kept on going. Um, in two thousand one, he wrote and produced to Legit*, the MC Hammer movie, which was on VH one. I believe I did watch it, and uh, and I did like it. It ended up being the second highest rated movie on VH one, and it was simultaneously um, broadcast on BET. Um, he also had Oaktown Races. He had like a, a a race course going. He had a lot of business ventures. So while we have this impression of him in the media as being like broke, destitute, um, has been, I found it impressive that as I read about him, I found that that is not necessarily true. It might not have been mainstream music. He did. He might not have had hit albums, but he kept on going and going. He's got tons of business goings. He's. He was producing things. He's got his ministries. He's still married to the same woman that he's been married to for thirty plus years, which I think is pretty amazing. And his music still lives on because we are still hearing it in all types of TVs and movies. And um, just the other day, I was watching Nick Jr. something with my son, and I, I meant to make a note, but there was some sort of commercial, and the kid was and the cartoon character was singing a version of Too Legit to Quit. Too
1: legit. Too legit for shit, huh?
0: That's two Whopper sandwiches, two crispy chicken sandwiches,
1: or mix one of each for just $6. Only at Burger King.
0: I have to find a clip of that, but um, he, he's still going. Like, he's still out there. He's still doing stuff. And he's, he's doing things, positive things within his community, too. And I find all of that, like, very impressive. I'm actually, like, really proud to hear that while I called him a cautionary tale before, he actually is not he could have turned to drugs he could have turned to crime he could have done some dumb stuff when he fell off like a lot of celebrities tend to do but he kept his head up um he did different things with his money he's he's remained a family man he's been involved in positive ways he's still doing a lot of good things and I felt like wow I you know I came I started doing my research in this episode like Yo, what we gonna do about MC Hammer? You know, I'm thinking about the Hammer Pants and all that. But I'm walking away like, wow, this guy had more of an entrepreneurial spirit than I ever realized. And he's done so much more than I have. I'm walking away like, not bad. Like, actually, there's a lot of admirable stuff there, you know?
1: Mm -hmm. And I mean, even if we never hear MC Hammer's music again, even if you never play MC Hammer's music again, Mm -hmm. um... You can't forget M.C. Hammer. No. Um, the the things that he brought to music really, honestly, in my opinion, changed the game as far as what some folks are looking at as what acceptable hip-hop could be. Yeah. Um, and I really think that his, his earlier music uh, was there to really bridge the divide uh, between the East and the West. Um, something that was that he did in, I believe 91, uh, was that he was on the, the, uh, West coast all stars album. We're all in the same gang, which was the, um, equivalent of the East coast self destruction. Yes. Um, (laughs) and so it, it, he, he did a lot of really good things. He got a lot of artists started if for nothing else, I completely blame him for Keisha Cole. um, (laughs) What? Yeah. He he worked with Keisha Cole when she was like twelve. He could have just told her just stop. And it would have been my wife, my beloved wife Nisha. She loves Keisha Cole and so I always give her a hard time. What? Um, but he's worked with he's had his hand in so many great things and he's done so many great things. He really deserves the regard and respect that he doesn't really get yeah. because history has uh shaded him into being this pop rapper, this this warning, this guy who went broke, this guy who was homeless when really he was everything in the early 90s. Yes. And I say that without any hesitation. MC Hammer is still uh, on my Spotify playlist right now. Mm-hmm. Um, he will still get play. My kids still do the typewriter. They dance to him. They everything. <laughs> So, yeah. I mean, it was unfortunate that he tried to start a rap beat with with, with Jay-Z. Mm. But, you know, that's all folks do that sometimes we have. Our, <laughs> you're going to respect me, young man. It's like, why are you beefing with this guy? Like, it's not even necessary. But
0: yeah, I didn't I didn't. Like I said, when I started this, I don't think I really grasped his impact. And then I I walked away like like even his Wikipedia notes him as the forefather of pop and rap. And I did not know this. He was the first hip hop artist to have an album certified as diamond status, which means 10 million copies sold. I mean, when you think about that, it's like, well, no wonder he thought this would never end. I mean, that's that's a major, major deal nowadays. I feel I feel like, um, you know, we we had a lot of artists that have reached that and you forget what it was like in the beginning, that it took a long time for artists to get to that level. And so to 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 do that, that was a major, major deal. Probably happens a lot more now, but it's so easy to take for granted when someone was the first to do something years later when everybody almost gets there, you know. But I didn't really realize the impact he had. or I think I just kind of forgot about it. I think, like you said, it has been. Um, shade. He has been shaded, and it has been overclouded with, the more negative stuff. The image changed, the bankruptcy, but it it was a large impact, and I feel like that is his legacy. I mean, he did do some major things in early music, and I feel like people will be singing "Hammer Time" for a long, long time. That's what oh, I think yeah. his legacy is. <laughs> Stop, "Hammer Time." <laughs>
1: every time you see me what? the ham is just so hyped. Okay. I'm dope on road and magic on the mic
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> but'm
1: I'm, I'm right. I, I, I just <clears throat> I strive to have just a a, a, a sliver yeah. just 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 a, a helping of the success that he had
0: yeah right uh, right
1: and to do it out of Oakland. Mhm like to to do it out of Oakland, where back then it was truly crack City to do it out of Oakland and just come up out the trunk
0: mm-hmm.
1: that is just so magnificent to me. It is just such a beautiful story um and the, i I can't I can't it 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 it's it's inspirational to me
0: it is that I mean, yeah. he
1: never lost even when he um, even when the appeal was lost, even when people weren't listening to his music like they used to, even when all these things were happening, he would just find another venture.
0: Yes, he did. He did not so, let it get to him, clearly. no. Me, I would probably be naked somewhere on Flocka or somewhere, but he... Kept on going. He said, you know what? I'm going to work on something else. He started. And, and he's not. I mean, he has so much entrepreneur in him. He didn't just go to somebody else. He would start another business. Buy this. Buy that. Like, I wouldn't think to do those things. But he, he's always had a vision of himself as a leader, as one top, as doing his own thing. And I have to admire his his, his business entrepreneurship. I mean, I can't even imagine getting into all the things that he has. And while I don't know what his net worth is now, I know that his music is still going. So I'm hoping that he is still making money off of these songs that we hear all the time in TV film commercials. You know, we know he's he's doing the 3M sticky thing commercial. Do your thing, Hammer. That's all I want to say is you keep doing you. You know what I mean? He's doing yep. right by his family. And he always seemed like such a good guy. So, I'm, you know, I'm like, he's pretty dang cool. I'm glad to see he's still going on.
1: I mean, and, and if there's nothing else, I just want to uh, remind people of the inspirational words that were said in the song that nobody else likes but me. <laughs> yeah. Don't stop till you get enough. If it's good to you, do what you want to do.
0: Mm-hmm. On that note, I think we a wrap. <laughs> um, <laughs> tell us about Single Simulcast and um. and Senna Silas.
1: Uh, single simulcast is a podcast by uh, my uh, wonderful co-host Shantae and myself um, it's a uh, we call it a black podcast uh, that delves into pop culture uh, it delves into political issues it really wherever the wind takes us we've had uh, we did a bit of about six months where we did a reading and a uh, judgment of Rachel Dolezal's book of lies. That's what we told her, called yeah. it. We don't even know what the title is anymore. It's just the book of lies. <laughs> um, and we, uh, frequently are just discussing issues in the, that are affecting the black community issues that, um, we find to be hilarious and just issues in our day-to-day life. Um, sin and solace on the other hand is my baby uh sin and solace is a dramatic serial that i wrote uh back in 2000 and maybe 11 maybe 2010 um about an assassin and his best friend
0: um
1: and it's a it's all of the acting initially was done by folks that I would get on Twitter. Like I would just be like, yo, you want to be on my show real quick? And they think they were going to be on single soundcast, And I'd be like, here's a script. And they'd be like, what? <laughs> so, um, I will, uh, say that this was all done at a kitchen table. Um, the sound effects were found by yours truly, oh. uh, by going to YouTube and other places. Um, but the storyline is just phenomenal. Um,
0: and you wrote this, Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I got to check that one out.
1: And there's three seasons, I think, at this point in time. Uh, We're supposed to be recording the fourth, but it's really difficult to get two different, like having folks on a different coast and you together at the same time to record a show. But when it can happen, the magic is going to be right back because I love that show with almost my whole fiber. It is just such a Intense labor of love, but at the same time, it just I everything about it. I urge everybody to listen to Sin and Silas. Get past the first episode where I was just really the first episode is always the worst episode, let's <laughs> put it like that. So, yeah. get past that first episode and really just fall in love with the storyline in itself.
0: Wonderful, I definitely have to check it out, and I will include the links on the episode information. But, Derek Jones. Thank you so much for being a part of my episode. I was really excited to have you um, as a veteran podcaster and as, as someone who already produces really good content. And bonus, being a Hammer fan, I mean, <laughs> that's what I want. I want to chat with the fans that people really love these artists. That is the heart of what I want my show to be. So I'm really, really happy to have you on the show. And I hope i hope it was a good chat for you.
1: It was an absolute Pleasure to be on. And I I greatly appreciate it. I just want to send a shout out to MC too big, um, who never got the uh, acclaim and praise that he deserved as the first great hype man. But whenever you say, Uh. that's from MC too big. And um, like shots out in love to him who was literally too big for his britches. And became just a luminary in his own right i'm joking oh, i don't know i think he put out one album that like went double dookie staying but um <laughs> totally. mc2big was the best hype man ever and i still walk around sometimes saying, hammer! and it's all his fault but thank you for having me on i really do appreciate it
0: uh, it's it's been wonderful i'm really really excited about it it's funny that i even remembered to do a hammer episode just a couple weeks ago but it's all good right it's all
1: good.
0: Uh-huh. It's, it's all <laughs> All right, we're wrapped. What? What? <laughs> hey, thanks for listening to Word to the Mother. Be sure to find us on Facebook and Twitter. Until the next episode, we out.